If you're ready to gain a lifetime of real estate secrets in just minutes a day, then this podcast is for you. For the past 40 years, Dolph DeRoos, the king of commercial real estate, has helped thousands of new and experienced investors turn properties into cash and dreams into reality. If you're ready to make more money, do bigger deals, and reach greater levels of wealth through real estate, then we have exactly what you need on Buy Big with Dolph DeRoos. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of King of Commercial Real Estate. And of course, we have the king, Dolph DeRoos. Thank you so much for coming over today. My pleasure, Max. Good to see you again. <laughs> and today we're going to be talking about commercial and residential. I know that you're in the commercial side of things, but in the case of commercial and residential, is it possible to have them both on the same property? Oh, yes. In fact, often that is called mixed use. Mixed meaning both residential and commercial. And interestingly, it's not very common here in the States, but in most parts of Europe, they grew up on this notion that you live and work in the same place. In fact, very often you get buildings that might be four or five stories high. There's commercial on the ground floor, coffee shops, restaurants, retail stores, you name it. And then above that, you've got residences. And that's how it is that people can spend a whole week in a city like Paris or Amsterdam or whatever and not really need a motor vehicle. Whereas here in the States, we tend to live in suburbs that have only residential accommodation. And even for me, to get a bottle of milk, I need the car because there's no corner grocery store or convenience store walking distance from my home. And I think that applies to just about everyone, not everyone in the States, but most people. So yes, it's a very common notion, but probably far more common overseas than here in the U.S. Gotcha. What are some of the countries that you have seen it personally uh, being done in Europe? Oh, gosh, just about all over Europe. I just had a week in Barcelona, which, by the way, <laughs> for anyone who hasn't been there, that is one of the most architecturally stunning cities there is. Although I guess they all are. Vienna, Prague, you name it, Amsterdam, Paris, they're all stunning and beautiful. And But it's very common there. Again, commercial on the ground floor and then residential above it. So all over Europe, this is very common. And in the case of the financing, because I know that for residential homes, there's a certain type of financing, there's another type of financing for uh, commercial. How do banks deal with having both types of well, real estate within the same property? How do they deal with it? Well, the way it works in Europe in general is there's not one owner of an entire building, which might have five floors in it, with, as I said, commercial on the ground floor and then four layers of residential apartments. Um, it tends to be that they're sold individually. So the residential units are condominiums and they're sold individually. So when you apply for a mortgage for that, you'd go through a residential lender or a residential mortgage program. And if you were to buy one of the commercial units on the ground floor, then you'd go through a commercial lender. But in those cases where it's still owned by one person, generally it's considered a commercial operation because the operator, the owner, leases out the building's on a short to medium term basis, there are more and more Airbnbs and VRBOs, of course. So it's really a commercial operation. So the lending would tend to veer towards the commercial side. Gotcha. So in the case of the whole property, then it would be a commercial building still, though it has some apartments that they would lease to all the tenants. Gotcha. And what are some of the advantages of having both of them as an owner? I mean, what are some of the advantages of having both residential and commercial within the same property? Well, I guess if there's a downturn in one sector, like if commercial is not doing so well, the way, for instance, that commercial fared during the pandemic, and there was a lot of retail space that became empty, a lot of restaurants closed down, COVID really hit hard. So if you had a mixed-use building, then you'd still have tenants in your residential units. It would spread the risk a little bit. But it's a contrived advantage. 
I think one of the advantages is that people who occupy both the commercial and the residential space know that they're living in a community where you don't need a car. You know, most people would still have one. They just don't need it for every small journey. So they walk around a lot more. So I think it's a lifestyle thing. It's, 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 it's a fun way of living. In fact, when you're used to the environment we've got here in the States, which I love, by the way, I live here by choice, but then you see this and experience it in cities like Prague and, and, and you know, Bratislava and all the other European cities, there's some part of me that says, man, this is a good way of living. I wonder whether we should try introducing this more and more in the U.S. Gotcha. You did mention, though, that there uh, it's more common in Europe. Have you seen any buildings doing this on the U.S. as well? Oh, yes. It's becoming more and more popular. So I live in Phoenix, Arizona, and it's very much a suburban city where, you know, you have suburbs that you drive to. But for those people that are familiar with Phoenix, there's a place called Keeland, hmm. um, which is very popular. It's got about five or six high rises now, medium rises, 10, 12, 15 floors, mostly residential up top. But the ground floor is all commercial. It's restaurants and high-end shops. So I think people are seeing the value of that. And those people I know who live there, they absolutely love it and they wouldn't want to change anything. They wouldn't want to go back to living in suburbia and having to get in the car. And you think about it, you can go to any of, you know, two dozen restaurants or bars or whatever for cocktails or a meal or a snack or lunch or dinner. And that's kind of appealing and all within walking distance. I, I can see why it's popular. I think it will grow as a trend. That's amazing. And I definitely agree with that because I feel like it also uh, allows your tenants, well, in the case of uh, the residential side of your building, it attracts way more people because of the commodities that you have just there within the same area. Right. Now, have you seen any disadvantages of doing this technique? Gosh, I can't think of any. Um, everyone I know who lives there loves it, but I guess if they weren't inclined to love it, they wouldn't choose to live there. So <laughs> it's not an unbiased sample, you know, when you ask people who live in one of these things, how do you find it? I haven't heard anyone say, I moved into one of these and I regret it. Oh, I wow. have heard of one complaint, though, come to think oh, of it. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, and I heard about it in the last week from a woman who lives in one of these And she was saying that the noise levels from all the restaurants oh. that are open to one and two in the morning, and they have music playing, and then all the people yahooing, especially if they've had perhaps one or two too many to drink, mm. and that the noise level can get quite high. That's the only disadvantage I can think of. But if anything, uh, I feel like at that point, it attracts a certain type of residents within the property. Correct. So the ones that are more comfortable with noise, or but still, they love having restaurants and all of these shops and stores near them. Right. Have you invested yourself in one of these type of buildings? Oh, I've created one. I have been involved Ooh. in creating an entire town, really, that was ba based on this. We tried to banish the car, not banish it literally, <laughs> but we put all the car parking underground so that once the cars are parked and you, you climb out of that subterranean car parking system, you're in a pedestrian-only area, again, with commercial on the ground floor and then residential up above. You're telling us that you pretty much built a city. That's amazing. Can you tell us a little bit more about that one? Where is it located? A little more about it. Well, it's 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 a town. And, you know, it, it's one of these things where you can see demand for things. And we often say, I think they should do more of this or they should do more of that. And who is the they? You know, so to give you an analogy, um, I spend a lot of time traveling. So I've spent a lot of nights in hotels. In fact, I keep a record of these things for all kinds of technical reasons. And in the last 20 years, I've spent nearly seven years in hotels when you oh, add it wow. up cumulatively. That's a lot of hotel nights. And I noticed that hotels compete with each other and trying to provide a good service. So one of the things they try and do is give you a big room 
Well, most of the time that I spend in a hotel room, I'm asleep with my eyes closed. I don't know how big the room is. But I've often gone to Vegas, for instance. I, I used to buy a lot of homes in Vegas. I was on a challenge to buy 52 homes in 52 weeks. And more often than not, all the hotels on the so-called strip were occupied, and I'd have to go 12 or 15 miles away. And I'd have this massive room 15 miles away from the downtown area. I'd rather have a tiny room, and remember, I don't know how small it is when I'm really close by. So <laughs> I also decided to create a hotel brand. And our claim to fame was that we probably had the smallest hotel rooms in the industry. And to give you an idea of how this was, I've never seen a hotel room where the bed is in the middle of the room and you can walk right around it. Usually the headboard is up against a wall. So my theory is why not have a side of the bed against a wall as well? And you might say, well, if it's a double bed, that means that the person sleeping, in this case, next to the wall, would have to climb over the person not sleeping next to the wall to get out in the middle <laughs> of the night. And my retort to that, or my answer would be, well, if you're in bed with someone that you wouldn't enjoy climbing over, having them climb over you, <laughs> then you probably shouldn't be in bed with them anyway. Oh, so gosh. I thought that's not a disadvantage. And then I thought, why not put the foot end of the bed against a wall as well? My point is these rooms were tiny, 280 to 350 square oh, wow, feet. That is really and tiny. yet, because the rooms were so small, we could retrofit these rooms into commercial buildings in the center of downtown areas of cities that other hotels couldn't even think of putting a hotel in because the rooms would be too small. And what we found, because our rooms were small, our average room rate was only $65 a night. Mm -hmm. And they were extraordinarily popular because most of our business people, clients, they would rather be in a small room in the heart of town than 10 miles away in some big room that they didn't use the space of. Um, so it's a matter of coming up with different ideas. So we created this hotel brand. And in a similar vein, we created this concept of a village as an idea to come up with something else. What would work? And to give you another idea, it was also near an airport. And so the idea was that people with small private planes, not if they have a big private 727 or 737, but for smaller planes like Piper Cherokees and Cessnas and all that sort of thing, that you could land on the airstrip, taxi along the taxiway, drive up to your own home, push the garage door button, have the garage door open, and put your plane inside. So it's a matter of coming up with, you know, different ideas. Now, that idea hasn't taken off, although there have been airport parks here in the U.S. John Travolta famously, he actually did have a 707 and two other planes, and he would park them by his home. And it was a private <laughs> airfield where all the homes butted onto the runway, and you could taxi to your own home. Oh, wow. Um, but that idea didn't take off. The hotel idea did, and the mixed commercial and residential, absolutely, it's taken off around the world. And I think over the decades to come, Marjorie, we're going to see a lot more of this. I think people love the idea of being able to walk along to the local, whatever it is you need to do, post office, UPS store, That's coffee right. shop, instead of always having to get into a car. It's definitely the convenience side of things uh, that all the renters are always looking for, especially nowadays. I mean, with the prices of gas and everything, I feel like a big building that has residential on the top and then a whole bunch of stores on the bottom, that would be ideal for any renter. Um, are there any um, specific requirements that you need to follow when it comes to having that within the U.S.? Well, obviously, you need to conform to any zoning rules that there are. And there are very few zoning regulations in the U.S. currently that allow for mixed use without asking for dispensation to do it. Oh, wow. But what we're finding is that more and more jurisdictions, more and more states, more and more cities within states are saying, hey, they like this idea because crime tends to go down. 
you know, when you think about it, it makes sense. If people are living there and they all tend to know each other, and even if you don't know everyone by name, you've recognized that lady who walks that particular dog and, <laughs> and this young person who's doing whatever they're doing, biking to school or something, um, you start to recognize people. So crime tends to go down. I think people like it. And I take your point, gas prices are high right now. It's, it's going to reduce your need for I don't think it's the high price of gas that is spurring people to go into this sort of living. I think that's an unanticipated and unexpected benefit. It happened to be a great benefit for sure. Right, but yeah. the real reason is they like the lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And for many Americans, they go to Europe and they spend time in a hotel in one of these mixed-use environments, and they suddenly see all the locals going around the business, popping out of an apartment building and going for breakfast. And listen, <laughs> it happens in New York. Let's be honest, New York is almost a slice of Europe in that regard. So I think it's it's quite common in parts of the states. New York has got other challenges that everyone doesn't want to copy all aspects of life in New York in their hometowns. But I think we're starting to see a trend where this will occur more and more. That's awesome. Thank you so much again, Dolph. And thank you to our audience for staying tuned with us in this podcast. So now you have it. Start learning about commercial real estate. And who knows, maybe you end up having a couple of residential buildings with some um, stores and shops on the bottom. We'll see you on the next episode. Bye-bye. <laughs>